Hey guys, before we jump in, I want to give a little backstory to this episode. Earlier this year, I was speaking at a conference in Ohio at a church that I love, and this guy came up to me and shared some of his story with me. You're going to hear about his story here in this episode, but he shared some of his story of redemption. Dude was just like gone through a ton of stuff, brokenness, infidelity, marriage collapsing, sickness, miscarriages, like so just a ton of stuff. And he came up to me with tears, just like how the gospel was really impacting him that day and was like, just, he was being, the Lord was drawing him near to him. And we ended up like hugging and crying together. And I was just so moved by his story and specifically the way that God was just chasing after him. And so anyway, he reached out to me and said, Hey man, would you be interested? I started a podcast with my wife talking about our story of redemption. Would you be interested in being a guest on my show? And I said, sure, that'd be great. So I was a guest on his show this week where he and his wife were interviewing me about Dad Tired. But in the middle of that interview, like they started to share some of their story and we were talking back and forth about like the gospel and what marriage looks like. And it just became, I literally, I've never done this before, but it just, it was so powerful. Like in, in the middle of it, I was like getting choked up. I was the one being interviewed <laughs> for Dad Tired stuff. And yet it turned into a completely, like it just took this direction that was just, if you know me, you know, I don't try to like over-spiritualize things. I don't want to make things weird when they don't need to be. But man, I just really sensed the Holy Spirit was in the conversation. And so I asked them, I was like, dude, would you guys mind if I use this conversation <laughs> for the Dad Tired podcast? Because I think the Dad Tired guys would love to hear this. And it was just, it was so powerful that I'm like, you guys have to hear this. And so they agreed to that. Anyway, So this is a podcast on the Dad Tired Show, but it was actually me being interviewed on another podcast. So it's going to feel a little bit weird in that way. But other than that kind of weird little hiccup, the content was just really, really powerful. I think the spirit moved. This is a wonderful episode to listen to with your spouse. So I would listen to it and then maybe text your spouse and say, hey, will you listen to this too? And maybe we can talk about it together. But anyway, hopefully that makes sense. And I hope you guys are encouraged by it as much as I was encouraged by the conversation. I love you guys. Let's dive in. Yes. We're stoked because we have a, a guest with us to join us on this. <laughs> Who's been patient. Awesome adventure. Mr. Jared Lopes. Welcome, Jared. <laughs> hey, it's good to be with you guys in the midst of the chaos. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> What's funny is that the first initial podcast interview was chaos as well because we were supposed to do it and that's when I almost lost my vision <laughs> oh yeah that was nuts that was nuts that's yeah. how I would you guys describe. live a chaotic life no. yes yeah. welcome to our show thank you yeah the first time we were supposed to have Jared on as a guest we shared this incident where Scott got bleach in his eye no, or, or plumber's acid like yeah drainage. acid I'm sorry <laughs> To the fact where we thought he might lose his eye, but we had Jared on in an hour and he's like, we're going, we're going to do it. I'm looking at him like, (laughs) this man is insane. So we're running behind and I zoom in Jared and he's like, what's wrong with your face? (laughs) He's like, bro, like we can reschedule. I was like, are you sure? Like, dude, go to the doctor like right now. As You're soon blind. as I heard you say that, I literally turned the wheel to the freeway and went dead straight. The to freeway was the... literally right there. Yep. Like we were at the light to turn, and I you're see. like, bro, just go to the doctor. She was like, skirt. <laughs> like, Thankfully, his eye was saved, and now we have Jared back, oh, and we're excited to have you on. Jared is a author, he is a speaker, and he is an amazing dad who is tired. Yeah. 
literally. <laughs> he has a show podcast, Dad Tired. And why don't you give a little bit of background about you, a little bit what you do and what your your mission is? Yeah, well, it truly is super fun to be with you guys today. And I know it feels chaotic to you, but everyone listening can relate to chaos. We all live chaotic lives, so mm-hmm. it feels really relatable. So thanks for having me on in the midst of all of it. Yeah, I'm trying my best to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus first and foremost, which is it's a day-to-day journey. And I would say like the more I can rest in my identity as a son of God, things seem to go better. That doesn't mean like life gets easier, but the peace in my soul grows bigger. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to figure out every day is just what does it mean for me first to just be a son of God? I'm a husband to my wife who's been so patient and gracious with me. I'm sure we'll talk about that mm-hmm. uh, in this episode, but we've been married coming up on 13 years now. we got four kids, 10 years old, all the way down to a one-year-old who I can literally hear screaming in the background. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, I write books and host a podcast and do conferences and run a ministry for dads, just trying to help walk alongside of dads as we stumble our way to spiritual leadership. So that's how I spend my full time. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, so that's where I kind of, I really found out about you at the church we were going to at the time. You were a guest speaker for one of our men's, our first men's conference, actually. It was um, just ironic that timing for me, that was literally months coming out of telling her the full disclosure of the infidelity and the affair. And I was in such a broken place and you came in and just were just a different beacon of like hope and refreshing word and message that I needed. I remember Mm -hmm. vividly, I actually won't forget, I was in the front table right by the stage and I continuously wept, not just cried, like it was a weeping of me in that conference. And I just was so thankful. And I, I said, thank you to that time. And I just prayed over what was going on. And I just, we moved on. And then we started this podcast. I'm like, man, it'd be cool to have Jared on. Cause mm-hmm. it, for me, I know you probably don't know, but like, it was just, a, I actually went back and told her about it. I'm like, man, this dude came and is this, he's talking all about this stuff. And I'm like, just like was dying. And I'm like, Dude, this guy just really was what I needed in that moment. And it was the first real experience of me, like really just continuously letting go as I had no work and all these things were going bad. And so, and then you came back for a second year and I was like, I have to go meet him and like, go tell him, thank you. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's how we kind of met and started this, this friendship. Dude, that was a special moment for me. Honestly, like I remember I speak quite a bit. So sometimes things get fuzzy and I have a really, really terrible memory. Like last (laughs) night I watched a movie that I've seen twice with my brother-in-law. He had never seen it. And I literally didn't remember a single scene in the movie. Like that's how (laughs) how bad my memory is. But that moment seriously stuck out to me. Like I, you went home and told your wife, but I also went home and told my wife, like just everything that I was trying to teach the hundreds of guys that were in that room, you embodied like the gospel wrecking your life and God being so gracious to you Mm. in the midst of the pain, like you were embodying everything I was trying to teach. So it, yeah, dude, this is really cool for me to be hanging out with you because it stuck out to me too. Awesome, Mm -hmm. man. First of all, your podcast is just amazing. It's Mm -hmm. fire. And Mm -hmm. if you guys are listening, you have to check out Jared's podcast. How long have you been doing that now for? Six years, man. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Almost seven, six and a half years. Yeah. Dude. So like I, I've been listening to it since I, you, you came to that conference and I just have taken so many tidbits away from it. And, you know, your guests have always been impactful. And maybe you just tell us a little bit about like when you are, I know 
what you said, like you're trying to be a son and trying to follow what that is. And with a men's ministry, like what are you always going into with these things, with these conferences on your podcast? Like what's your biggest thing that you're trying to, to spread there? Yeah, dude. Well, the, Sorry to keep saying, dude, I'm used to talking guys. I don't mean no. to keep. Oh, you're <laughs> fine. You're There's fine. a woman are in you, the room. Are you here, offended? You know, so I'm not. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, dude and dudettes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think to give some context and some background, like I was a pastor for 12 years in like the church world. I was teaching and did discipleship pastor and stuff. But to be leading a dad's ministry right now and a ministry for men is super, not at all what I planned on doing. Layla and I, so I was planting churches. I won't go into all the story. It's long and boring. Nobody cares. But there was a time where I went through this season where I was planting churches and I planted with a friend and it went terribly. Like who I thought was a good friend ended up hurting me really, really deeply. Mm -hmm. And that started this, I don't know how else to describe it, except the season of life where I was like spinning out of control. I was, I completely lost my identity. This guy had said some, the hardest things anyone's ever said to me, not like hard, like good, challenging, like the meanest just cut me as deep as you can cut somebody mm. multiple times. And so it really messed with my identity. And I was going through the season where I was pulling away from Layla and I was pulling away from, we had two kids at the time. I was pulling away from my kids. I just, I sucked as a husband and dad. I was really mad at the church. I was like, I'm never going to be in church ministry again. I'm giving all of this up. And I was doing my own thing. It was so bad. I, we legitimately thought we were going to get a divorce. Like if Layla were sitting right here, which I thought, It'd probably be good for her to be here, mm-hmm. but she's in her pajamas and stuff. So she'd hate me for me <laughs> to just like bring her on. We can bring her on another um, time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she still gets emotional, like thinking about that, that time of our lives. Cause it was so hard for her, mm. for us in the middle of that season, we were fighting, which was super regular for us. We were fighting all the time, like daily. <clears throat> and I remember we we're staying in our bedroom one day and we're like, she said something that it was kind of sharp. And I'm like, Oh, like, here we go again. It's going to be a fight. You know, when you can, you can just feel it like, mm-hmm. you, you, mm-hmm. like your body change the way you feel in your body. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, we're, we're about to get in a fight. So she says something to me. And then I, in my immaturity, say something back to her on purpose to hurt her. Like I was trying to hurt her. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I don't even remember what I said, but I was being hurtful on, on purpose. And she got tears in her eyes. And I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, I'm winning. That's how dumb I was. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm winning this fight. Cause my wife is really, really strong. And so, and less emotional than me. Oh. And so, <laughs> so when I saw that she was like getting emotional, I'm like, Oh, I'm winning this fight. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, Jared, I just want you to know I've been waking up. I set my alarm at two in the morning, every morning. And I wake up and I go into the living room and I've been praying for you. Mm. Oh. And I've been begging God to capture your heart again. Mm. And I was like, I don't know how to, what do you do? Yeah. You can't like, <laughs> stomp out, slam a door, you know, cuss your way. Like, what do you do when your wife says she's been waking up in the middle of the night and Mm. praying for you? That was the start of God really softening my heart. And the Bible says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, which Mm. is just crazy, man. Mm -hmm. Like it's not his wrath. It's not his like, just, you know, I'm so mad. Why did you do it? It's his kindness. Mm -hmm. It was the kindness of God through my wife, through the kindness of my wife that started to draw my heart back to his. And in the midst of that, I happened to start talking about like, I feel like I suck as husband and dad, but I don't want to bail. My son was three. That's when my dad bailed on me when I was three. And I was like, I'm not going to do to my son what my dad did to me. And that's how dad tired started. I wasn't trying to start any ministry. I had no, and I'm sure you guys, the story is the same. You're just mm-hmm. like, what are we doing? We're on a podcast talking to people about our marriage when right. we thought our marriage was going to be like gone. Like it's just so 
but it, that's God's reputation, right? Like that's right. what God does right. is he takes brokenness and he says, hey, let me show off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always just say that like, oh, look how bad this is. Like I can fix it. You yeah. know, like right. exactly. <laughs> you're a show off story for him. And we're a show off story. I'm a show off story for God. Like I'm so messed up as a dude. I had no dad growing up. My marriage was failing. I feel like I sucked as a husband and dad. And God's like, oh, okay, let me show off. And so all that to say, I know that was a really long-winded answer to your no, very short that's question. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that it's was... just the gospel, man. You asked, what am I trying to get to the guys? It boiled all down. It would be this. My wife should have bailed on me. Mm. She had every right to say, and I know this is your guys' story. She had every right to say, I'm gone. Like, no, there's plenty of fish in the sea. You're not making me happy. You've done wrong. I'm out of here. This is the same thing that God could say to us. You've done me wrong. You've turned your back on me. You've hurt me. You've done what you shouldn't have done. I'm leaving. There's plenty of other humans in this life. I have a lot of other children, but God didn't. God kept pursuing you. And so the fact that we have spouses that keep saying, I'm going to keep sticking around, even when you don't deserve it, is a picture of the gospel. And every person can relate to that story on some level. All of us have turned our back on God. Mm -hmm. And God should have said, I'm out, but he didn't. And I think if guys, in, for me, in my world, if guys could really understand that message, God should have bailed on you and he didn't. He stuck around. And not only that, he's chasing you down. He's taking that mess and he's making it new. They'll be better husbands, fathers, and disciples. So that's like the message in a nutshell. You've, a really basically, big nutshell, no, it's, it's a <laughs> great nutshell. And it's a nutshell that needs to be spoken about on a regular basis because what you just said, I've literally said Mandy was the reflection of what Christ was of grace and mercy on me in my life. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. don't deserve anything that I have received, but yet I still have been given it just like God does the same for us. And I'm so thankful for that because just as you're saying in your story, there was this like, it was a spiraling out of control. I reflect back and I can honestly remember those decisions, I, you know, I, I keep making them and justifying them. And, you know, there was rational behind it. And it just was all these lies from the enemy. And then I kept taking action on them. And it was like, just this constant dying, <laughs> like my flesh was just consuming every part of me. And you spoke about something about like repentance. And I think that word has been so near and dear to my heart. And I just finished the book. I've been going through the Bible in a year, but Jeremiah, and it it's just amazing. Like that entire book is basically a call to repentance <laughs> and mm-hmm. listening to how the Lord spoke to Jeremiah. And like these people didn't want to hear what he had to say and continuously mm-hmm. going to them and say, like, you need to repent. You need to repent. I think I was reading my Bible. was like over a hundred times the word repentance is used in that, in that book. So that book was like, really like, I'm just thankful for repentance, honestly. Without it, it's, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I think what you're saying is gold. The The only difference between a Christian and non-Christian is repentance. Mm-hmm. It's not that we don't sin anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I sin every day. Like, I'm going to fail today, right? Mm-hmm. The difference between me and somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus is I feel the weight of my sin. I know I've gone outside of God's design. And now I say, I don't want to do that. I want to live under the rule and reign of somebody else other than me. I suck at being God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another God who can rule my life better. Mm -hmm. And so I repent, I turn away. I mean, that's the key marker of a Christian is repentance. If we don't have it, then you're like, well, what are you following Jesus? Because that's the thing. That's the thing that separates us is we feel the weight of our sin and we want to turn away from it. Mm -hmm. And I want to speak on the other side of that, of repentance and then the grace and mercy that comes. You know, I never Mm. want to put myself in a place that that was me. It was not me. It was very, what I Mm. was able to show Scott 
is outside of our flesh. It is not human nature. Yeah. The world would never in a million years tell me to do what he did. And the only reason I was able to do that was because he had rescued me many years before. And I knew what it felt like to repent, to lay my life down. Mm. And so to kind of back that, once I did that 13 or so years ago, I had this idea of what the Great Commission was in the mission field. And I have all these grandiose ideas of going on mission trips and adopting and kind of stepping into all those kind of areas that are big Christian ways to go. Never in my life did I think that he would tell me to go and be a disciple in my home. Obviously, I knew I'd serve and I would lead and my kids and in that area. But I was actually mad at him when all this came out because I said, I have committed my life to you. I have wanted to serve you and I have wanted to do X, Y, and Z for you. And every time it seems like I go to do that, my home needs me. There's a catastrophe here. Not even like out of no idea. I can't even think of a comparison right now. But well, it wasn't just me. Like there were other things in our house between like sickness, cancer, a child yeah, on the with, brink of running away. It was just like a lot of things. Yeah. So it seemed like he kept bringing me home and I was mad about that. Not because I didn't want to serve in my home or be a mom or a wife. I just had this other idea of what it meant to be a disciple. And so when I finally, somebody had said to me, it didn't even click until someone said to me, after all of this came out with him, that all of this, his sanctification, his ability to, his heart transformation, all the things came at your expense. And I was like, oh, did it? Wait a second. I don't think it did. And I was, all, it brought me to tears going, thank you, God. You allowed me to be a part of that. I could have missed it all. And he asked me to step into this mission field that I never saw even existed. And what you said, present the gospel to my husband. I didn't even know I was doing that. I know that sounds so weird. I knew how to give him grace and see him differently because of what was done for me. But I was able to, when someone's, I was like, no, no, wait a second. No, I, this is not at my expense. I am grateful to be allowed to step into this space and see how the Lord work where he showed off where I like, I didn't have to be a part of that. He could have saved Scott on his own. He didn't need, he didn't need me, but he used you, but he used me. And I stepped into that hardship, right? I guess I could have chosen to still leave, but he still gave me this ability to go, Mandy, remember when, (laughs) what I did for you. And here's where it's called. And so I've been able to look back and go, wow, my entire walk so far, my, where he needed me and called me was right where I've been this entire time, home. And so I want to make sure when people hear it, when Scott says, Mandy showed me this grace and mercy and kindness that you spoke of Jesus doing, that that was never in my mind. I wasn't like, oh, look at me. I'm showing the kindness (laughs) that Jesus did. I was almost pushing back on it, going, what in the world? I'm ready to go out for you. Why am I still here? Mm. You know, why is another wave just crashing us down? And now I see what he was doing. I so that's one of the most powerful things I've heard, and I think that, <laughs> um, that everyone, I think that everyone who's listening, if you're listening to this podcast in your car, you're mowing your lawn or whatever you're doing right now, washing dishes or whatever, you need to pause and reflect on what Mandy just said because that is the power of the gospel in a deeper, more practical way than you'll probably read in a hundred books and a hundred messages. Mm. The key in all of what you just said is that 
God was gracious enough to zoom out for you and say, there's a bigger picture happening. I'm restoring things back to the way they were meant to be. And I'm going to use you to be part of it, even when it hurts. And that only makes sense in light of eternity. Mm -hmm. Because if all we're thinking about is my joy for today, well, then you should have left. Mm -hmm. I want joy right now. I want to be comfortable right now. I want to be happy right now. And God said, I'm going to sacrifice some of your quote unquote happiness for today because there's a bigger kingdom picture. Your great grandkids Mm. will be, will have the fruit of that story. Mm. That's an eternal perspective. He's was playing the long game. And I say that for your listeners because God's playing the long game in their story. And it might mean some pain today, but your great, great grandkids may get the fruit of it because God is playing the long game. I grew up begging God, give me a dad, Mm. please give me a dad. I remember so specifically thinking of times like where I was playing basketball in the driveway and imagining my dad was sitting there with me, Mm. um, coaching me. And he wasn't, my dad was gone. He was, he bailed. He was nowhere to be found. And I just beg, I remember in my bed crying, God, please just, I want a dad. Mm. And I thought God didn't answer that prayer. And now I speak to tens of thousands of dads, but God, and there was this moment where God said the pain was there. Like I, there was a reason for that pain. Because I had a bigger perspective. I'm playing the long game here. There's a bigger story happening around you. I just don't want your listeners to miss that gospel-centered perspective. That you may be going through something today that's just like, why, God, please, you're begging God, please, please. And it's not that God is not hearing you, but he wants good for you. And he wants good for the, like, he's redeeming all of humanity. And your story, whether it makes sense or not, is part of a way bigger picture. And he's thinking about you and he loves you and he hasn't forgotten about you. But he, he wants your good, but your good is probably going to look different than what you think your good is. And it's going to be way bigger than you think it is. And so I just didn't want your listeners to miss that. That's really, really powerful. I appreciate you sharing. <laughs> Thanks. I, not a crier. <laughs> Sound like you're cool. <laughs> Are you're you crying? Like, I don't Tell know. Tell me you're tearing up with your lows right now. <laughs> I don't know. Just the whole, it's really powerful. It is. Yeah. It's wild to me because it, I say that with, I had no intention of that being our story. And I never mm-hmm. want to elevate myself about what he did. Mm-hmm. And I really looked at like another thing that really shocked or moved me to look at our situation differently was like what Jesus did on the cross. I have an, not an obligation. We're not obligated. Wrong word. Because Choice. of that, I should at least pause and see if I'm willing to. Is there room to forgive? can this be worked out, right? And that was the whole purpose of the cross. And not to just say, I'm hurt and turn away and walk away. Because of the cross, I should be able to go, can I do this? Am I able to with That's him? the gospel. How can, what you did was you were reflecting on your own wickedness and God's grace on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you had to pause and think, I've been given so much, yeah. as the scriptures say. How can I not give it away? Right. And, you know, we think of that always in terms of money. God's been given so much. I should give something. You've been given so much grace. I should probably not hoard it. Like, I, I know what it's like to receive and I should probably give it. And you were really in that dichotomy. This person doesn't deserve it. But, oh, oh crap, neither did I. Yeah. And that is the gospel. That's yeah. the whole gospel. Mm-hmm. My wife said, I should leave Jared. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everyone told her, like, leave Jared. How could I leave when God's been so gracious to me? Like, I have to pour out grace. And that's just... 
it's heaven and earth colliding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything in your flesh is saying bail. Yeah. And heaven is just colliding with your flesh mm-hmm. saying, no, there's a different kingdom. There's a different way. Yeah. Uh, it's just so beautiful. I really, really appreciate you guys sharing your story. I'm, I'm inspired by it again. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, same, you know, when you talk about being a parent, and I just, I'd also layer was looking at my children, right? Like, mm-hmm you know, I had a decision to make and I I wrestled heavily with the decision because scripture says I have an out, let's call it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I was very Mm -hmm. mad at the Lord that like, why couldn't you just make it more clear? (laughs) It's not a command to leave. It's you have a, you know, Mm -hmm. a reason to leave. I was very Mm -hmm. angry. So another layer was looking at my kids and going, what will their life look like? You know, if I just walk away at this point and I want to share with you something, I think I pulled it up in that first conference that you spoke at with Scott, he came home with the little, the saying that you say with your kids, or you had, mm. I don't know what the initial introduction of it was at the conference. You you were sharing about what I you I have such a it. bad memory. This will be news to me. This oh will, God, I can't so wait. This is great. <laughs> so you shared with the men about like connecting with your family and something you guys would do every night is this little devotion. And the, the benediction, the yes. benediction. Yes. Or the benediction. Yeah. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I, I went and he sent it to me. He told, read it to me in the car. And I was like, say that again. And then he, mm. I said, send it to me. And I went online and I made canvas prints of them, hung them up in each cool. one of their room. And oh, every cool. night together, cause we do a devotion together every night. We have, the kids have said it. I mm. had them record it. For you, so so I could play. Oh I'm gosh. hoping. Can I? I don't know. Oh, I hope geez, it's. You can, yeah. I hope we can hear it. I, I think this okay. was a last minute. Literally, as you came out, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that video!" Let me see wow. if I can get it to play. Could you make me emotional? Jeez. Yeah. That has become a staple in our, in our life. And so they don't all three say it together. That's a little, you know, much, but they each take turns every night and they say it and we've, and they jump up to do it. And like, I didn't even tell you about that because I wanted to surprise you a little, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like that conference, man, like (laughs) you shook me into a place of like submittal that I needed to go to, to, release this grasp that I had on my life that I was at the last session you talked about like you know what king are you serving at our last conference and like that was another but it was just this identity that I thought I needed to be or whatever and it was like there's no other identity that matters but in Jesus Christ and everything that she's been saying to you here and to our listeners you know she really was the spiritual leader for a decade in our house and when God smacked me with that, I was so crushed because as a man, I'm supposed to be that, you know, and I didn't. I wasn't delivering at all. And you talk about your wife, like they're identical, your wife and Mandy. Like they are the non-emotional, like she discerns like no other. And it was because her foundation in Christ is so deeply rooted and I was so not <laughs> 
And so when we talk about like this generational bondage, we've talked about a lot, like the, the legacy of what is after us. Like, I'm so thankful that God revealed to me that he was proud of me. I, I felt like he told me he was proud of me for breaking the generational baggage that I've been, was carrying into my marriage and essentially could move on to my children. And there was an opportunity for me to take a stand for Christ and totally change the trajectory of my family and the legacy beyond it. Mm-hmm. Because like, Oh, and I think in the Psalms, I think it talks about just like prayers. The, the prayers are eternal; they're forever. The prayers we yeah. we pray now for our kids and our and our wives and our kids' spouses are forever. I'm just thankful that God gave her the ability to be in that place that she has been speaking about. Because ultimately, now I feel like since I've come into full repentance and I've laid my identity in Christ fully, fully not not on the fence post. I can be and I have been become the spiritual leader in my home. So just like Mm. you, like I've had this desire for men that are just broken, defeated, feel like they're not good enough because whether we want to believe it or not, that is a lot of the message that is inside of men. They might not say it, but there's a sense of there's an insecurity there's a, I'm not a good enough. I'm not this. And the reality is that we have to kill those things. The imposter, the, the, the devil, and he wants to come in and lie to us. So like I had a lot of things I had to do to, to kill that voice. And I appreciate because you've spoken about that in each of those things. Like identity has been a big thing in your time when you when you were at uh, the conferences that we've talked. Well, that's what I wanted to say about what the kids are learning. We've, we've said it now for over a year, and they say it all the time that we're not— Something has happened in their life. Okay, well, may their brother said this about me. I said, do you remember? I am not what other mm-hmm. people say about me. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. will instantly go, oh, okay, you're right. I'm not that. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. And so I've used that benediction with them in our daily life. I thank you for providing that <laughs> for us. Uh, well, I, yeah, in full disclosure, I took that from my friend, Jeff Bethke, who took that oh, from some other you, pastor. Jeff. So that's been being passed down. Yeah, that's been being passed well, down. Passed but yeah, down the, well, you chose to yeah. speak about it that day. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I use it all the time, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it works so many times to just keep bringing them back to identity because, mm-hmm. you know, they'll come back from school and this person said this. Well, you're not what other people say about you. You're, you're a beloved of God. Right. Well, they have this and I don't have it. Well, you're not what you have. You're yeah. what Jesus says about, you know, it's exactly. just like constantly, you know, you don't have to rush. Like God is with you. He loves you. You know, go ch- share his love with the world. So that made me emotional hearing your kids do that. It's so beautiful. It's so cute. So beautiful. And they love to do it at night. And I will make sure to post that on our show notes. I'll put it on our Instagram too, so that if any other parent wants to implicate that into their nightly or daily routine, whatever that looks like, it is powerful. They're powerful words. They're truth totally. that they're tucking in their little hearts that mm-hmm. will come out in the hardest of times. And so we will pass that on also to our listeners. We have it in our kitchen. We say it before dinner. And I literally, my kids will say it in unison now, and I just close my eyes and let them speak that truth over me mm-hmm. because I like when I was talking about my dad bailing, what I found for me as a man and Scott, you might be able to relate to this. And I know a lot of guys can relate to this is I didn't have somebody in my life, specifically a dad who was telling me, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. This is who God's made you to be. And so when I was bullied or when someone made fun of me or I didn't make a sports team or when, whatever the thing was, I. And then my identity is now in question. Well, maybe I'm not good enough. This teacher said this, this coach said this, this guy said this. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like really questioning, 
well, maybe I'm not good enough. And then what happens is that, you know, starts at eight, nine, 10, 11, you grow up to be teenage. Now you have full grown men Mm -hmm. who were never told their identity. Mm -hmm. And so then they find it in other things. Mm -hmm. And 99.99% of the time, they're finding it in things that will will never satisfy them. A woman, a job, a bank account, toys, whatever the thing is, they climb the career ladder. And it's like, oh, maybe this is telling me I'm good enough. But all of that traces back to not having a secure identity in Christ. And that's what we're trying to do as parents is like, my son got made fun of. We just moved in this neighborhood and I think my son's a cool kid. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think we'd like to all think we love our kids. You know, but he went to go play at the park and some kids were making fun of him. And so he came home and he told me like all these kids were making fun of him. And I'm like surprised at how matter of fact he's telling me this. Like he's not emotional about it at all. I'm like, mm-hmm. I checked in with him like for three days. I'm like, dude, are you okay? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, are, are you like, are you okay? Because I remember for me, that would have wrecked me yeah. big time. But I just, I went to bed and I was like, I think he's just super secure at home. Like he feels really safe. Dad loves me. Mom loves me. I know God loves me. Like, who are these little boys telling Absolutely. me whatever? Like, I don't care. Wow. And I was just like, praise God. Like his identity is being shaped in the gospels, which is what we're trying to do is just like, Anyway, because what happens is the reverse side of of that, which I think is majority, is you have a bunch of dudes who are still don't know their identity Mm -hmm. and they're just grasping at things in the world to try to say, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Mm -hmm. Am I likable? It's dangerous. And one thing I I know you want to share your probably about your dad (laughs) go into a relatable story, but when it comes to children, three things that this is my unprofessional like wisdom, I guess you should say what I've noticed is that children need safety, security, and structure. And if they have that at home, then uh, there's not much the outside world can do to tear that down. If you provide those three things in a child's life from a young age, then what just happened with your son is going to happen, right? You don't want to not have them experience those things in the world, but it will allow them to go, wait a second. That's not what my safety at home says, you know, and I have been, yeah, I know I'm very secure there. I feel secure there. Right. And so because of Mm -hmm. that, our kids can defend themselves or brush it off their shoulder, I guess. I was going to say, it's almost like um, a protection of like, they can still hear it, but it doesn't affect them. What you were saying, like, even as a, as a grown man, I would someone would say something to me and I would just crumble inside. Mm -hmm. Well, that came from, it would take days for me to recover. And when you say your dad left at three, Scott's dad was always present, but the opposite. So we're dealing with our eight-year-old son. He's the oldest of our littles. And, you know, he's has this perfectionist mentality where we study his test came home on Friday. And I said, how'd you do, buddy? He said, terrible. He got one wrong on three papers. And I was like, Mm. oh, buddy, honey, no. And so thinking when I talked to him about it, you know, obviously we will speak truth into that, right? Tell him who he is and how, you know, the work he's done and with how the Lord sees him. But Scott's story would be if you felt down, you would be pushed more down. Yeah. Would that be an accurate way of saying it? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I love my parents. Yeah, we respect them, but this is your <laughs> I true respect story. my father, and but there was definitely a constant battle for feeling loved and unconditionally. There was a very conditional like loving manner (laughs) where I felt Mm -hmm. like I had to earn it all the time. I've carried that through my life. I mean, I, I I look back and what happened with us. I'm like, there's so many roads that lead, like you said, like you just lead right back to that. 
And then what happens is as you get older, it starts to manifest into bigger, uglier things. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened for me. And I found security and purpose and likability, whatever, in people liking me and giving me attention. So I started to seek that. Then I realized that I liked it more. Women would pay attention to me. So then that's when I started to chase that more, you know. So then like this, I guess you could call it like this sexual addiction came and like I really started to lust hard and it Mm. became uncontrollable almost, you know. No one would ever know that, but I can hide those Mm. secrets. But as I've gone through counseling and my mentor that I've been I met with for a year and a half every week, there was a lot of digging I had to do, (laughs) I guess. You know, if you guys are listening out there, men or, you know, women, but for men specifically, it's not an easy journey if you're down that path, right? Like, it's weird. Like, I can sit here and I can listen to men's stories and where they're at. And it's like, I can see it so clearly. I'm sure you can too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I kind of want to just be like, shake them, be like, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Like, all you need to do is lay it down and turn to Christ. That's it. And I know it sounds so easy, but it's so hard. Because like there are things that we are going to be told to do. The Lord is going to have us keep releasing things, letting go of things. And that posture and like Romans 12, 2 talks about the renewing of our mind, the transformation of our heart. Like that didn't happen until I submitted and repented. Mm -hmm. And then I jumped into the word and my mind became renewed because I was reading scripture and God was revealing to me what the spirit, what him inside of me wanted me to be doing. And so the conviction of me to change was like, that was transforming that Holy spirit power. That was the transformation that happened. And it's like, I just pray because men need to hear this, you know? Well, I mean, Jesus, the couple of ways he said it, one was the road is narrow. Very few people will choose to take it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he said, like the call is to come and die. Are you sure you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Dying sucks. Mm -hmm. Not very many people are going to choose to die. Mm -hmm. I think what you're, I mean, just to, Reemphasize what we talked about earlier, that key of repentance. We, you and I talked about this at the conference, I remember. Yeah. Oh, you remember. Um, but we talked about how, <laughs> yeah, can, can, yeah, I remember that moment because it was really powerful, man. But I remember we talked about like, we just talked about how can you really understand the gospel without yes. like hitting that spot yes. where you have to repent and you have to experience the goodness of Jesus. I'm, I'm genuinely curious about that. It's, I think it's an ingredient in most people's Christian walk that they're trying to miss, but it's like yeast, you know, like if you don't put it in, like it's never going to rise, you know, it's like, oh, you made that bread and it's just, it's still really flat. And it's just a little thing that you think, uh, I'll just keep that one out. And it's the key ingredient. And so the key ingredient to like a Christian walk with Jesus in a peaceful, healthy life is repentance. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to like live your Christian journey and leave that ingredient out, it's going to be really flat. That's a good analogy. I just made that up on the spot. I, I love it. Right that I, I'm just sitting here going, man. This, <laughs> no, but, and I think, what a question though. Like, and I remember that because that was, we were both kind of almost toiling like inside with that. Like, how do you live it out? If you haven't experienced that, like you have to make a decision. It's robotic. It's robotic. Yes. I see, I see Christians yes. all the time. Just, they're just robots. They're just, mm. they're doing the checklists, mm. but it's different. Like Mandy, what you said I've experienced the grace of Jesus. That's not robotic. That's like, that's coming from a way different spot. Mm. And I just don't know how you really live out the Christian faith without just like 
I mean, amazing grace is only amazing because we realize how much we need it. Right. Amazing grace isn't that amazing if we're like, oh, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't really dealt. Or, or you never acknowledge like, holy crap, I am wicked. Yes. And I really need the grace of Jesus. Until you get there, amazing grace just doesn't feel that amazing. There, it's so true that night. There was a phrase we watched, God's Not Dead, I don't know, one, two, or three the other day. No, and they said, <laughs> they said, it's just so hard. And, he, and the one guy said, it's, you're right, it's not easy, but it's simple. The gospel is so mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. And when it's, everyone makes it this complex, trying to navigate and understand, it's just, the, the gospel is truly simple. But mm-hmm. I will speak in what you just said, knowing what we've been through. I'm thankful for our journey. My playbook would have not looked anything like this. It would have been pain-free. I would have never been able to experience the way I've experienced him unless we've walked through these trials. But I look at my babies and I'm like, don't do it to them. Mm. (laughs) Like, But Mm -hmm. then I'm like, they'll never know you if they don't get to, Mm -hmm. if they don't experience this pain and this fire. And part of me is like, how do we protect them from all these hardships? I just want them to love you without knowing that. But that's like, I need them to know what we know and how we, you know, how he's going to be in an intimate relationship with them. You know, there's this battle watching them. It's like, I hope that this. It sucks. It sucks. It does. Because you know the world. I was falling asleep last night and I'm like, we have such a limited amount of time to prepare kids Mm. to be sent out into a cruel world. Yes. That's just going to rip them apart. And just knowing you're sending your babies out to that. (laughs) Right. Is just so, I was like, so heavy hearted last night falling asleep. And the best we can do is like, give them the tool. I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what other people say about me. I'm the beloved of God. Like some kind of foundation that's just not sand. And again, for parents listening, man, we are filling our kids' schedules up with a lot of sand things. Mm -hmm. More sports, more extra stuff. Get better grades on this. Like, dude, the world is going to try to rip them apart and grades aren't going to save them. My daughter's ballet is not going to save them. My son being better at soccer is not going to save them. They need the foundation of the gospel. It's their only hope in a world that's going to come at them hard. It's terrifying. It's terrifying as a parent. I I would be lying if I said I wasn't, I know you're not supposed to fear. I know all the things, but I do. I look at them. I'm like, how can I keep you in this little safe box? It's just, I know it's not reality, at the same time, I understand our journey, you know, like, you know, your journey You had to go to where you had to go to get to where you are. And they're yeah. God's kids and they love them more than you do. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's the only, our only hope. I was just going to say Literally that. say that to every mama I talk to. It goes through hardships like that. God loves those babies more than you do. Yeah. It's hard to even mm-hmm. imagine or fathom, but he does. And he mm-hmm. has what's best for them. And I, I know, but one day. And I do have a 20 year old. I don't know if you know that. Mm. We are grandparents as well. So (laughs) it's not that we've not experienced any of those hardships. Her life growing up was just so different. You know, her story and her testimony Mm. is completely different than like a structured, safe, secure home like we had. So, Mm. anyways. I think the, the real quick, because like the, the word that you said, and I was talking to her, is it's a preparation, and that's all we can do is continue to prepare them. And it's mm-hmm. by doing the things that, you know, you like the benedictions and talking to them, having a conversation with them and, and constantly reminding them that like there is a greater gift of eternity ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, we are so caught up in this world that we are on right now. Like, do we truly we have no concept of what the what eternal heaven is like? I, I think it's just so far removed from us that we can't. It's impossible. 
to even truly get a grasp around it. And that's what I think makes it hard for people, even Christians, to, to be like, I'm not dead. I'm only dying for myself here for the Lord, but the eternity is ahead of me. This is just the, the yeah. state of sanctification between salvation with Christ and and actual death on this world. But after that, I am I am in eternity with the Lord. Like it's too big. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. too big. I think a lot of people don't. I know I'm thinking of one friend in particular who we've shared this kind of testimony and story with, and he likes his life. But the idea of losing your life and changing everything that you do is terrifying. They're like, but I enjoy my life. I don't want to not be doing these things, you know, but it's until you've walked through something and experienced it in a way that only the Lord can do for you, can't understand how it could be better. He has a better life than what you and I could even create here, regardless of money and toys and things like that. And so thank God it's not up to us to save, convict, heal. Like That isn't our job, right? Thank God, because I would totally fail at it because— yeah, I would be like, Scott, I just want to shake you. But it is just, you know, for I'm thankful that the Lord has that zoomed out view and is able to look at us as individuals and know what's best and how he can speak to us. Like he knew before Scott and I were even going to get married, he had a calling for Scott's life. And this was going to be the journey for him to get there. Okay, now I have, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in Mandy. Mandy's going to have to, she went through her own hardship, right? Like he had this whole mm-hmm. Picture it. And it was our choice to choose to step into that or not. Mm. I don't want to like, I don't want to make it seem like somebody was like puppeting, walking us around. We still had a choice, but he does. He individualizes our entire life. It's Mm. written before we were born and all, you know, just having this faith and trust in him to know, like, whatever I think is good, it's better. And it's usually always very different than what I thought. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah, even what you just said there, I, I like really genuinely, I'm not a smart enough guy to know all the answers theologically, but even that I wrestle with, like in hearing people's stories, because I'm like, I mean, I don't want to open a whole can of worms because we're out of time here, yeah. but I'm just like, like God, I don't even know how much of a choice we did have. Like God just, it just sometimes it seems like, no, I'm just going to use you to show off my glory. Right. And and maybe I need to save like your great, great grandkids because they're going to do something crazy for my kingdom. And so you just have to go through this. Like I, yeah. you don't have a choice. You're going to go through this and then I'm going to save you. And like, you think you're going to like make a choice, but you're not like, I'm just, I'm saving you because I need to save Billy yes. 300 years from now. I don't know I if mean, we'll be naming the... our kids Billy 300 years from now, <laughs> yeah, but that stuff trips me out because I mean, anyway, God just, God does what he's going to do. And sometimes we just like, I look at my own life and I'm like, I don't think I was even smart enough no. to like make some of these decisions, you know? And like you said, like you're, I don't think Layla would be like, well, I was just thinking I want to present the gospel to my husband. Yeah, Layla's no. like, I want to kill you. You're right. an idiot. Exactly. Like, right. stop being such so stupid. Right. And yet God was gracious enough, which the Bible talks about. Like, even your ability to repent or to draw near to God was my grace. Like, yep. <laughs> I was gracious enough to you to let you turn back to me. You know, right. so it's like, ah, I don't even know. Yeah. Anyway. This has been so encouraging to me, you guys. Thank Same. you for having me. And I, my soul, I know I was like coming on as a guest, but you've blessed me and my soul has been totally filled this well, morning. I was asleep that. one hour ago. Like, and, uh, yeah, you got and on I just, the like, camera. jumped into it the deep end. <laughs> you were like, I saw the eyes. Yeah. They were poofy. Like, Literally dad tired. Yeah. Videoed. You were like, yep. <laughs> they've, they've, they've gone down. You're good. Um, um, we appreciate yeah, you. I got the coffee. We appreciate you being on and for your ministry. Would you share how people can find you or what to look for to support you in your ministry. 
Yeah, just dadtire.com. Uh, it's kind of the hub for everything that we do. And then um, we got book. I write some books for dads and for men. I'm always encouraged when I read the Amazon reviews of the wives that say, I've never seen my husband read a book or finish a book in his life. And the wow. fact that he read this and finished it blows me away. That mm-hmm. Those are my favorite reviews. So I wrote it for men who are like, I'm not really a reader. I'm not really like, I don't got time to do. And so I think that they're written in a way that, you know, will help a just a normal dude that's trying to stumble his way forward. Mm. Mm. And that's powerful because that's yeah. the mentality of most dudes. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, well, we typically like to close in prayer, and I always love asking our guests if they would be honored to have you close us out. Yeah, yeah, it would be it'd be a joy. Thank you, God. I'm I'm just so encouraged, uh, mainly because in this conversation, I felt like you were the dominant personality. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we have our stories, and people might be listening to our stories, but really, we're listening to your story, and I'm just blown away constantly that. And all the little things that we're doing that feel so significant, God, you're doing a way bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And today we're trying to make money to pay the bills and get the kids off to do the thing. We've got job stuff and house stuff and schedules. But in, when we zoom out, like you're doing this crazy story of redemption. Lord, I know that you're a good father and you care about you know all the little things that we care about. But Lord, I know even more you care about our souls. Mm-hmm. You care about the redemption of our souls. And so I'm just thinking of the the people who are listening right now who have 10 things on their to-do list that are stressing them out. And yet, Lord, you are pursuing their soul. God, you want their soul to be healed for now and for eternity. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, for the person that's listening that just feels overwhelmed, God, I pray that you would give them a glimpse of what you're doing just to give their soul some peace. Like, man, even in the midst of all this chaos, you've been good to us and you're, you're pursuing us and you love me and you want good for me. Even in the pain, you want good for me. God, would you just give them a glimpse of that to keep their soul going, to give them a few more laps around the track of life, to keep running with confidence that they serve a God who has not forgotten about them, mm-hmm. who is concerned with their good and for your glory, God, that even in the midst of our pain, God, you're doing something huge. Mm-hmm. For our our kids, our great-grandkids, our great-great-great-great-grandkids, God, your story is massive. God, thank you that you let us be part of it, Mm. even when we don't want to be a part of it in certain ways. Mm. Thank you for letting us be a part of it, that we get to be used by you, the God of the universe, Mm. for the redemption of the whole world. It's an honor, Lord. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was amazing. (laughs) Thank you.